Big Book Study, Week 11, by Tim B. Tim, alcoholic. Okay, we are on page 58, how it works, which by definition means we're on step three. Before we get started, I'd like to start out with uh, what's commonly used in uh, uh, presentations like this. It's this A set-aside prayer, and uh, what I'd uh, like to say is that there's multiple versions of this, just this happens to be one, so I'm not married to this particular one. God, please let us, please set aside everything I think I know about myself, the 12 steps, this book, the meetings, my disease, and you, God, so I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please let me see the truth. Amen. Okay, page 58, how it works. Chapter 5. When I first came into the program and somebody handed me a big book, I did the little skim thing and I got to this and it said how it works. Well, I figured I didn't have to read the rest. I could just cut to the chase, tell me what the deal is, and we'll just get it over with, you know? But uh, we learn after a while that that's not the case, so. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. So let's stop right there. This is commonly discussed in a lot of meetings about uh, whether um, Bill wanted to uh, substitute that word for never. And it's actually a myth. Hate to uh, burst anybody's bubble, but uh, it actually is in the archives at uh, AA AA World Services, AA.org. You can actually look it up. And uh, Bill actually has a conversation via a letter saying that although we discussed whether to make it rarely or to make it never, once we decided we never changed our mind. We never regretted using the word rarely. So uh, just to sort of set that one straight, the myth of never has been dispelled. Those who do not recover are people who cannot, meaning psychologically, or will not, meaning make a choice, completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So there's the second use of the word honest in this one paragraph. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So we read this often in a lot of meetings, and sometimes I think it's worthy to go back in and look at some of these words. And the fact of the matter is it's telling us that there are people who cannot, psychologically cannot at the moment, and there's people who will not, who choose not to to surrender to the program, and there's people with grave emotional disabilities, all of which could recover if they are honest, all of which could recover if they are honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, that's our experience, what happened, that's our strength, and what we are like now, that's our hope. Experience, strength, and hope. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these, we balked, meaning we start but don't follow through. 
we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. So the, so the authors are telling us the steps are the easier, softer way. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. So pushing through the fear and, and being thorough via honesty from the very start. Some of us tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. So we need to surrender to win. So if you, if, if you don't let go completely, your result is zero. If you don't let go completely, your result is nil. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one, capital O, who has all power, and that one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. So what does that mean? 50% effort gives you zero result. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. So step one is the only step to mention alcohol. Step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, meaning what? Until we get the solution, we're insane. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And we're going to see both in step three and in 11, God as we understood him. And Jimmy Burwell is, uh, uh, was at the forefront of getting this added to both of those steps. He was an atheist, remained an atheist, stayed sober, but remained an atheist his whole life. Uh, his story can still be read in here. A vicious cycle. Jimmy Burwell, a vicious cycle. Uh, founder of uh, AA Philadelphia and a co-founder of AA Baltimore. So very active and um, uh, actually pushed Bill and, uh, and the Akron crew on um, having a broader understanding of the higher power. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. This is commonly read incorrectly in meetings, and it's typically read as may direct amends to such people whenever possible. It's wherever possible. Whenever is a time measurement. If I, if I see the guy in the mall, or that's a time thing. When we're talking about wherever, it means in every case that you owe one. In all cases that you owe an amends, not a time issue. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So if we were right now reading from a first edition, first printing, it would have read, having had a spiritual experience. First edition, second printing, they had already changed it to awakening because there was maybe a little bit of a debate or a misunderstanding that it had to be this white light environment, right? And uh, the other word I just wanted to highlight was uh, we tried to carry this message. We're We're in an effort game, not in a results game. We do it to stay sober ourselves, irrespective if the other person gets sober or not. Many of us exclaimed, what an order. I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, which is the chapter more about alcoholism, page 30. The chapter to the agnostic on page 22, uh, uh, more about alcoholism is step one. Chapter to the agnostic on page 44 is step two. And our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. The personal adventures are all the personal stories in the book, including Bill's, Dr. Bob's, and so on. So three pertinent ideas. What are they? A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. That's step one. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. That's first part of step two. And see that God could and would if he were sought. That's the remainder of step two. Being convinced. Being convinced of what? Being convinced that you said yes to those three pertinent ideas. Right? You've already bought into steps one and two. Being convinced we are at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that? And just what do we do? The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. It's not talking about the alcoholic. It says any life run on self-will. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In, in trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. 
He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. Those are all assets. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. Shortcomings. But, as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. What usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious, as the case may be. Still, the play does not suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he is sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. So those are character defects. What is his basic trouble? Well, in those examples, I think his basic trouble is our resentments. Is he not really a self-seeker, even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? Means controls, meaning using self-will. Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Meaning you reap what you, what you sow. You are a mirror of what you give out. They are going to retaliate if you are retaliating. It's a domino effect. Is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. He is like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation. The minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century politicians and reformers who are sure all the world be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave the outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up whatever our protestations are not most of us concerned with ourselves our resentments or our self-pity Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, all shortcomings, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, meaning it may appear as though we haven't provoked them. But that would be false. But we invariably, meaning always, find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. See, so our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, meaning paramount, meaning number one, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. What's the opposite of selfishness? Selflessness, altruism. Give without expectation of return. We must, or it kills us, 
God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. So we see that it's a spiritual issue. You're not going to bull your way through it. You're going to have to ask for help and be ready to receive it and do what is the next right thing. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we would have liked to. So choice is not a factor here. It is, we are beyond choice. We are beyond self-will. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. So using self-will to get rid of self is a recipe for disaster. It will not work. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director, capital D. He is the principal, capital P. And we are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. So Bill's using two construction terms again here. The keystone, for those of you who don't uh, 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 are not familiar with it, is a when an arch is built with stone, they'll make a, a wood form first, and they'll line up the stones as they go, and they'll get to the very top. The very middle stone, the last stone, is the keystone. And when you, if that's cut correctly, and you put that in, you could pull out the wood form. And all of the weight of the other stones push against all the other stones, and it will hold with or without mortar if it's cut correctly. So that's the keystone, the most important stone, holds everything else together. And the other reference here, the triumphant arch, that's a... um, a reference to the Roman days, whenever they had a victory or some celebratory thing to do, they'd build an arch. So every time you walk through it, it would be a monument to a victory. So these ideas, this, the, most good ideas are simple. And this concept, this concept was the keystone to this, uh, to this victory. Page 63. <clears throat> When we sincerely took such a position, so what's the position? Turning our life over to a higher power. All sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer being all powerful. He provided what we needed. If we kept close to him and performed his work well, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. And here's, here's our third step. These are all third step promises. I, I probably should have said that already. Let me just do the sentence backwards. Uh, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, As we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. Third step promises, right? 
We are now at step three. So before we uh, read the third step prayer, which is to follow this, uh, just in case a couple of people have not taken step one and two, we're going to do that first. So we'll all have taken uh, one through three. Okay, page 30. Second paragraph, first lines. We learned we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. It's step one. We're, te- we're, we're making the statement that we are powerless over alcohol and that our life is unmanageable. But before we do that, let's turn to page 33. First paragraph, last three lines. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. So 25 years into this game, we can't say, you know what, I'm rethinking this thing. I wasn't really an alcoholic. We're saying that once you call yourself an alcoholic, and it's for you to make that decision, once you do, can't take it back. Okay, page 30. And I'll just, I'll, I'll, re- I'll rephrase this first line as, uh, as a question. Do you fully concede to your innermost self that you are alcoholic? Yes. yes. Great. All right, page 47. Second paragraph, second and third line, Uh, 47, and I'll, I'll read it first as it states, do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself, and again, it's step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, so here's the question, do you now believe or are you even willing to believe that there is a power greater than yourself, yes, just took step two, See, you didn't need a workbook from Hazelden. We just get right through there. Okay, so we're back to uh, 63, second paragraph. I'll read it first just for the cadence, and then we'll read it together, and that will be our, uh, our surrender. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. So it's an all-in thing. It's 100% uh, surrender. And uh, in my own experience, I have to reevaluate that, you know, sometimes several times per day. Okay, so let's read it together. Here we go. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Okay, so we just did steps one, two, and three. And now we're uh, at this last paragraph for tonight. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person 
such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor, or favorite meeting. But it is better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. The wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we expressed the idea, voicing it without reservation. This was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made, an effect, sometimes a very great one, was felt at once. I'm going to stop there tonight.